Blog Talk Radio. that the government now has been pursuing for 69 years 
it's really relatively entrenched, and while it's I think coming to an end, uh, it uh, has been a 20-year slog for me. And I've got colleagues that have been working to get the truth out on this for far longer than that. Yes, yes. Now a lot of us are seeing this in the news, and in fact, I'd like your response right now to something I read at the top of the news feed just now, which was a CNN feed of Hillary Clinton having um, she broke her silence on on UFOs, but what it says, and I quote, it says as the headline, Hillary Clinton, and in parentheses, jokingly pledges UFO probe. How do you respond to that way of presenting this topic, Stephen? Well, that's standard. There's been a great deal of coverage of uh, her remarks. Mm -hmm. Only a couple of them went down that road. Uh, yeah. CNN has uh, is pretty much a very mainstream centralist operation, uh, pretty much talking points, government talking points, does some relatively good documentaries from time to time. They don't really push the envelope. I don't think they have the funds for investigative journalism much uh, as they did in the past perhaps. So they have kind of a standard method they use with the ET issue. They have not really been a force. I've been on. I was on the show years ago, but I went on and told the truth, and and their yeah. attitude was, "Holy, holy macro, you can't come on and do that." So yeah. this is this is a CNN type response. It's a mistake mm -hmm. on their part. Mm -hmm. They'll mm -hmm. they'll know that soon enough. Uh, but yeah. they they brought out the key points. I mean, they, they, and so that's true. That got done and. They're not the only one covering this. I mean, there's been scores of, of publications around the world that have picked up on that story. Yes, and you are right. And I I found it kind of disheartening, I have to admit, that we are still dealing with that, you know. But I guess, as you said, it's it's somewhat to be expected. And it is true. If you, if you do a search, I mean, the media coverage is amazing. And for those who are not familiar with what happened... Um, perhaps you can let the audience know what did Hillary Clinton say, and what is the greater context of that based in your research, Stephen? Oh yeah, look, there's a huge backstory to this, um, uh, which I'll I'll try to be brief on it, but I assure you that it's it's way more than I can possibly address here. If you go to if your listeners go to paradigmresearchgroup.org, you probably have that link up on your page. Yes, I do. Um, I do. If they if they click on the Hillary image, they will go through to the Rockefeller Initiative material, which is very important. And if they use the bottom link down there, the congressional hearing link, they will go to the full status of the congressional hearing political initiative that's been underway in D.C. now since November of uh, 2014. Uh, and that's just the most recent development. Um, the... the here is here is and I like doing this because every time I do this I maybe uh -huh. shave a few words off off of it and get it shorter. Here is the the basic concept that every American should hear and and get a chance to have an opinion about. One, there is an extraterrestrial presence. The government's known about it since at least July of 1947. Very possibly sooner than that. Very uh -huh. very possibly during the war. Uh, two, the government, for national security reasons, made a decision 
that they would not acknowledge this truth. They would not. They would deny it if if pressured. They would undermine the research. They would create disinformation in order to prevent this issue from being formally in play during the Cold War era because yeah. of the risk of nuclear war and so forth and other things. Uh, that policy has come to be called, I take a little credit for that, the truth embargo. It's not a cover-up. It's a legal policy under national security. Uh, the truth embargo is essentially still in place, but it's slowly falling apart. Um, that really did not become possible until the Cold War ended in 19, late 1991. Since then, we've sort of been on an inevitable track towards this announcement. The announcement that ends the truth embargo is, is called in the advocacy community disclosure. It is an event. It is a singular event. It is the announcement, it is the formal acknowledgement by heads of state, which obviously would include our president. Uh, the day that he goes into the East Wing in front of the American people at the microphone and acknowledges the ET presence, that is disclosure, and that is the end of the truth embargo. So from 1992 to the present, a movement has been building up here, there, mostly in cyberspace, because that's where political activism is, is moving, not surprising, yeah. uh, to end this embargo. It has been a lot harder than I thought it would be. Uh, but nevertheless, we're making progress. We are possibly ready to break through on this, and the, here is the reason. And it's all circumstantial. Uh, when the truth embargo ended, Lawrence Rockefeller, the billionaire, member of that family who was very interested in the subject, approached the new president, didn't matter who won, but in this case it was Clinton, who happened to be a friend of Rockefeller. He wanted to... Uh, the administration to release all the files, finally. In other words, just put it out. Uh, yeah. Cold War is over. It's time for the people to know what you know. If And also grant amnesty to witnesses. If, if Clinton had been able to do that, they would have ended the truth embargo right then and there in the first couple of years of his administration. This initiative, we call the Rockefeller Initiative, went on, and there was back and forth, and meetings and papers were done, and there was meetings at Rockefeller's Ranch and so forth. It went on for three years. Clinton was not able to do anything. We believe, but do not know, that he was, like Jimmy Carter, told by the Pentagon, you don't have a need to know this, go away, mm -hmm. Mr. President, mm -hmm. uh, which is a serious issue in and of itself. Going into the election, the, the thing faded away. He then uh, was reelected, got embroiled in new scandals, and things pretty much quieted down. The Clintons, though, had long-term political ambitions, and they, of course, had people around them that also had ambitions. And so the Clinton team made a decision during that period from 93 to 96 that they would never talk about this. They would just pretend it never happened. Yeah. And because of the truth embargo, the press pretty much went along with it. There was almost no coverage of this. A couple of articles way back, 94, Mark picked up, very small, boom. So in the 23 years since the Rockefeller Initiative ended, no one associated with it, no one that knew about it were involved in it, including Secretary Clinton and President Clinton, has ever uttered a word about it or been asked about it until March of last year. It went 22 years. And as a result of uh, PRG's efforts in Washington, we have brought this thing to the point where it is about to become a major uh, point of discussion within a very long, complicated political campaign. 
because, obviously, Secretary Clinton is running for president again. Her husband will be a major part of the campaign, and her uh, campaign chairman is John Podesta. All of them, including others, were aware of the Rockefeller Initiative, were involved in the Rockefeller Initiative, but have never talked about it. In March of last year, the first press media piece ever mentioning the Rockefeller Initiative by name was published by Eric Pfeiffer in Riot.org. That was then followed by pieces in Mother Jones Magazine, Roll Call Newspaper on the Hill, New Republic, and so forth. Uh, in, uh, in conjunction with that, reporters were contacting John Podesta. They were contacting the Clinton campaign. Even Bill Richardson, who was in the Clinton administration and knows about the Rockefeller Initiative, and none of them would comment. None of them would even respond with a no comment. And so that's something you don't do with reporters. If a reporter knows they're asking a stupid question, they often will get an, an, a zero response, a sort of I'm not going to dignify that question with an answer. Yeah. Uh, or they might they get a no comment. If they get no response at all, that tells them that there's something important going on. And so the Clintons certainly know this. And as these questions started coming in, they began to realize that time was running out, that they were going to finally have to face up to the Rockefeller Initiative. Now, they'd already done some inoculation on this to sort of get out there and say some things, knowing what was coming, knowing that the initiative in Washington was making headway, that the citizen hearing on disclosure was getting a lot of exposure, the mock congressional hearing we held in 2013 and so uh, in order to sort of inoculate themselves, and by the way, uh, Barack Obama is fully aware of what's going on, and he's, he's sort of tied into the Clintons now. Uh, uh, President Clinton went on Jimmy Kimmel and arranged to be asked about extraterrestrials. Obama yeah. went on Jimmy Kimmel and was arranged to be asked the same exact question. Uh, Obama, uh, President Clinton then went on uh, Colbert and discussed the matter. John Podesta started putting out tweets about it uh, that have been cited quite a bit of coverage. So this, but none of them have yet to mention the Rockefeller Initiative. They've alluded to it, and a number of the statements made by President Clinton and Obama were not true, but yet were helpful. In other words, they're dancing around it, right, as they decide exactly how they're going to play this out. And so this this has been going on. It's not been that well known. I've talked about it obviously on a number of of, of media, but not on any major national media. I put out uh, uh, updates on this to my, my list, which someone can subscribe to by just emailing prg at paradigmresearchgroup.org or going to the website and hitting the subscription button, subscribe button. But it really wasn't that well known. But I knew that it was getting close. And so the first major break in this political initiative and probably one of the most important developments on this issue uh, – pretty much in the last 25 years uh, or more, is that John Podesta and, and President Clinton made the decision, uh, uh, Secretary Clinton made the decision that she would, she would talk about it if, if, in the right venue. And so what they did is they chose a, um, a small paper in New Hampshire that she was going to be visiting on the holidays, uh, December the 30th, when the Congress is out of session, a lot of reporters are home on vacation, and went ahead and made statements, which, of course, have been recounted in these articles, which we can get into later if you like, um, 
and essentially open the issue up. All right, that's what that yeah. was about, opening the issue up. And it most certainly did that. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And it sets the stage for the presidential um, campaign debate on NBC on the 17th, when I think she is going to be asked a question again on this. She's going to be asked a more serious, a fairly serious question, and I am anticipating a serious answer if things are going as uh, I think they are. And so if this goes further, if Secretary Clinton finally speaks directly to the Rockefeller Initiative, which, of course, we have all the documents confirming it. They're up on the Internet. They've been provided to many, many reporters. Uh, it's all been established and proven. There's there's no way to you know, finesse it. Uh, if she goes into that, they will trigger a whole new set of questions that will be directed at her husband, at John Podesta, Bill Richardson, uh, Leon Panetta, Mac McClarty, possibly even Webster Hubble, uh, about what went on back then. And that will trigger probably uh, questions go, uh, directed at the Pentagon. All of this is going to heat up very quickly into what I call a kind of media storm. And I think in the midst of that storm, which could happen very fast, I mean weeks, I mean literally yeah. it could very well come together in weeks, uh, I believe the Pentagon and, and the president will finally get on the same page. I don't, in other words, negotiate some sort of understanding between them. Um, because, again, Barack Obama doesn't have access to this information. He is not on a need-to-know basis. He is not cleared for the yeah. ET information that is in, under the control of the Pentagon and the CIA um, and other and agencies. But they'll cut a deal, and Barack Obama will end the truth embargo finally. Not, not, not Secretary Clinton. Uh, a lot of people misunderstand that what PRG is doing is not to get her elected so she can end the truth embargo. Not at all, yeah. but rather yeah. to get her to speak the truth about this so that Barack Obama will be the disclosure president, hopefully soon. Uh, and that's that's what's underway. Yeah. You know, Steve, um, given that the average American, the average American or average human being has a kind of normalcy bias, which would be the term I would use, um, could it be that this easing, and I'm sure you may agree, this easing of the information into our psyches is protective in a way because disclosure is going to have a pretty astounding impact, um, even on, you know, what about the impacts on not just our psyches, but then, you know, the financial markets and, and just Everything it impacts spirituality, and then, like he said, it opens up other questions. Like, what are we talking about? The alternative media is filled with things. You know, it's you know, there's there's the simple stories of you know UFOs and Roswell, and then it gets really you know embedded aliens in the government and you know underground places where they are and you know things. I mean, it gets um, it's very elaborate the various sure. things that that you hear and how how do you bring whatever that is whatever the the truth of it is and the levels of truth because they're probably levels um to the population in a way that doesn't just um you know have a a, a really devastating impact like like war of the worlds years ago 
Well, first of all, that's all. That's all. How can I put it? That's pretty much mostly just propaganda. It's okay. Not, there's not much okay. truth to any so of that. Okay. So that's your response right. to that. Okay. That's that's no, a, that's what, a no, valid no, no, response. No. No. Let me okay, follow. Okay. Go no, ahead. No. Go ahead. This whole business about everybody is going to go nuts, the economies are going to collapse, religion is going to collapse, that's all nonsense. Okay. Uh, the world of the world is utterly irrelevant to this. It has no, uh-huh. no bearing on this at all. Not to mention okay. the fact it was in the 1930s. Uh, the, there is a massive amount of information uh-huh. that ultimately will be provided to the American people on this. It is staggering how much there is. And that is the government's job. And they, they, that information will come out over time. It's not going to come out in one day or one week or one month. It's going to come out over time. Now, the American people are going to want to know a great deal, and they're going to want to know it very quickly. The government is going to prefer that they know less and know it slowly. Fortunately for the American people, once the truth embargo is over, virtually all of the media will be on our side. Uh, for the simple reason that they no longer have a leash on their neck. And two, it is the biggest news story in history. It's going to sell a huge number of papers. It's going to uh, create documentaries, bring ratings, and a lot of media is going to make a lot of money. And so they're going to be on our side. So the media and the American people are going to be pressing the government constantly from day one for information. And that information will come out and be heavily scrutinized uh, so that if the government tries to play fast and loose with it, uh, it probably won't go well. Um, any lies or distortions will be sorted out very very quickly. So the government, once have, having started a, a serious truth process, as what disclosure represents, would be well counseled to uh, go go uh, go for broke there and and just go truth upon truth. And so this is going to take time. I, I, it's almost I can't describe it. it, it, it yeah. I, I hope that the, the people do their best to influence government in, uh, to get that information out. I know some of it will be difficult, but you know what else is new? I mean, we're we're having yeah. to put up with every um, all a matter of awful, terrible, difficult things now as the world slowly comes apart at the seams. War, death, terrorism, beheadings, environmental destruction. Everything you can imagine, it's all over the news. And so this idea that, oh, we're, we, we, would, we would just really fall apart if we were finally told that there's extraterrestrials here is not going to happen, not, not the least of which is that 50% of the American people already know that or accept that, 25% are leaning that way. And we've had 60 years of watching hundreds of movies about extraterrestrials and television shows about extraterrestrials and then thousands of books. So I assure you, uh, the human race aside from you know, a certain number that pretty much go to pieces if anything happens, is more than ready to have the truth of this confirmed. And so it just isn't a factor anymore. Uh, the principal limits, the principal barriers right now are there are major public relations problems for certain agencies and government and certain individuals. Uh, they would prefer not have to face those, those public relations problems. Yeah. Uh, and it is a tough one. There's no question about it. Uh, it's going to require an enormous amount of work. It's going to re- re- involve a lot of soul searching. There's going to be some reform. And we are now going through a period of a very lazy political class and a very lazy public, lazy, not laissez-faire, but complacent. And nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to take out the garbage. 
And so in general, there's that basic resistance. Oh, I just don't want to work. I don't want to have to deal with this. Just let me collect a paycheck, uh, get some nice benefits, some you know covered medical care, and uh, leave me alone. Well, I'm afraid history is not going to uh, uh, allow them that privilege. They're going to have to step up. They have no choice. So, again, I don't worry about things falling apart. Worry about things falling apart if we don't get disclosure. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a real advocate in in honesty in the sense of whatever the reality is, it's definitely in our best interest to know. But I will tell you, Stephen. I mean, just I'll tell you a little personal story. Every every year I go to UFO Fest here. It's a little event in Oregon where my show is based, and I talk to people there often at my booth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when people start telling you stories, and I've known various people through this show, especially of anything related to abduction or, you know, when you start hearing about, like, um, Linda Moulton Howe's stories of um, cattle mutilations and things like that. I grew up in Colorado um, when some of that was going on. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't see the truth, but I'm saying that as just a human being myself who even even has a show about getting beyond fear, it was making me really uncomfortable. Um I'm not mm. saying that it was uncomfortable in the sense of I don't wanna I don't want to listen to you or whatever, but it was I think that it, it is gonna require depending on what this information really is, I guess is the question. And and then The other reaction I personally have is if there are what I would term lower, you know, races with lower agendas, you know, the equivalent of ISIS in the skies, um, then we need to claim our empowerment as a species. I mean, that would be not a fear-based response, but still there is that level. I mean, I tend to question a little bit just based on my own visceral reaction to some of this, even though you know I'm, I'm able to manage my fear pretty well. Just, just this isn't. These aren't easy waters. I mean, as a human being, depending on what we're talking about. So let's talk about that. The, the objection stories. You know what? What are we to make of them? Well, okay. They're uncomfortable. I mean, they just are. Oh well, yeah, I mean, there's as plenty human of uncomfortable beings, things they're out uncomfortable. there. I know, but it, it's. Uh, yeah, and we have to That's come to terms with that... Yeah. Look, I'll answer your question. Okay. Uh, yes, contact is going on, and some of it is, and any percentage of it, what percentage is not absolutely clear, but a percentage of it would come under the heading of what we would call abductions, no question. I've talked with scores of contactees, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and many people have been traumatized by that. Yes. Um. Because, one, the government says there's nothing going on at all, and so now you have to question your sanity. But if you figure out, no, the government's lying and this is really happening to me, now you've got nowhere to go. And so you've got a lot of people in the closet who can't talk about it at all. You have people that have had trauma that have not cannot deal with that trauma. And while there are some support groups, and obviously this is much better known now because of the work of a lot of pretty brave people, braver than me, I think, uh, going back to about late 1970s, um, people sort of aware of this. But from the standpoint of the political process and disclosure, 
Yeah. If the number of contactees is 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 as big as I think it is, which is around two percent, which is a big number, it's a staggering number, and it's definitely going to be a public relations problem for the government. That means yeah. that ninety eight percent are not contactees. And so while those contactees uh, uh, will have some interesting stories, they'll be telling them to people who aren't contactees. So they're not being taken, and they're not being traumatized. They're being traumatized by other things, like terrorists who want to bring nuclear weapons over here and blow up our major cities. That yeah. may be traumatizing them. Yeah. And as far as the contactees themselves, by and large, the disclosure of the ET presence validates their experience, confirms that they've been telling the truth. Many of them will come out of the closet. If anything, disclosure will be the best thing that could ever happen to the contactee contingent in this world if we, that we can just confine it to the United States. So whatever these stories are, they are on no basis whatsoever for withholding to, uh, the disclosure one single day. Uh, in fact, we need to have it as quickly as possible so that these individuals can talk about what's happened to them, be heard, be heard, be listened to, possibly be able to get some, some help if they need it, uh, and more just learn more about hopefully what the government reveals and find out what's happening. Now, uh, but I can go further. Look, let me be clear. There are some pretty bad public relations problems for the government. They've done some bad yeah. things, yeah. and yeah. that may come out. But guess yeah. what? Our government's doing bad things for the last 70 years. Uh, so, you know, uh, let's just don't go beyond World War II. Let's just start after World War II. I assure you the list of bad things our government has done is very, very long. And generally, yeah. the American people have gotten into a complacent state where what they think is, look, if you don't tell me about it, then I won't be upset. And by doing that, by taking that attitude, if given the government carte blanche to continue to do bad things as long as you don't tell us. So yeah. all of this is leading the United States down a very uh, dangerous path that will lead to unpleasant outcomes. I hope that that will change. I hope that the disclosure event will trigger a reassessment of government, of the social contract itself, uh, and reverse this trend to complacency and dysfunction. But whatever, it is the truth. It's the most important truth in history. And we were denied that truth for extraordinary reasons for 44 years, from 1947 at least to 1991. And for the last 22 years, that denial has been increasingly unacceptable. So that the truth embargo... Uh, imposed by the government went from being a reasonable national security decision circa the 1950s, 60s, 70s to what is basically now an abomination circa 2016. It has to end and hopefully it'll end this year. Yes. How do we, um, Steve, when we when we look at, I, I, I don't mean to I this this really um it's something that that really I'm thinking about very seriously like when I look at like what Stephen Hawking says I saw that out there again today I don't know resurfaced again about how you know if there's someone out there they're they're going to you know come after us you know, it's going to be like Columbus and and America and so forth and again I don't want to I want to go too far down this road but I'm still thinking about 
you know, managing the psyches of of all of us as this information comes out, whatever the actual information is. Now, I will say I saw a fairly positive, almost nonchalant response to when they claim that they saw that, you know, maybe this wavering, um, you know, where was it, in the Cygnus area? Um, I, I don't know. Um, how what your response is to that? Now the they're saying it might have been comets. Yeah, that it could have been some some alien species using their own sun for power, right. which makes a certain amount of sense. Um, and I found it fascinating that the latest Star Wars. Uh, I don't want to give anything away. Spoiler, possible <laughs> spoiler. I don't know if you've seen the latest Star Wars. It has a society that uses the sun, which is really interesting. Um, but um, anyway. Um, it seemed almost nonchalant, the response to that. Like, oh, yeah, and really, in a way, it should be. I mean, what, do we really think we're alone? I mean, that's more insanity than anything else. And 90% um, of the American people believe that there's life outside this planet in the universe. 90%. Yeah. All right. It's simply not an issue anymore. Plus, it's not the government's job to manage our psyches, or mine yeah. for that matter. People yeah, should manage their the own psyches. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And when, you, when someone starts managing your psyche, I can assure you that is not a place you want to go. All right? Well, because they don't stop there. Right? And we're not children. The government yes. is not our yes. parents. We're not children to be uh, coddled and uh, kept in the dark and provided babysitters. We are adults. And in fact, I would make a case that if you look at the actions of governments, including the United States, you you will see very quickly that the adults that are running these institutions are a serious threat to our well-being because of their terrible policies and because of the dysfunction that they have created. So if you're going to look for adults, you almost have to look outside government now. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in the country is uh, uh, fully actualized and able to to uh, to deal with high-level policy. I'm simply saying that the current status is is that the government and the national security structures are acting in loco parentis as surrogate parents to yes. the public, which it views as children. This absolutely yes. has to stop because if you treat people like children, they become children. Yes. And I guess what I'm saying, and perhaps, in fact, I think using that term managing is, is a really good term in the sense that there can be this paternalistic or, or maternalistic, depending on how you want to characterize it, way of looking at how we handle information. At the same time, I think that once it's out there, those of us who are involved in open discussion – like this program and others and many, many different things, we'll, we won't want to manage. I mean, that may be the wrong word. It's definitely the wrong word. We'll want to explore. I mean, we'll want to work with this. You know, what's what? and I think that it starts right now, I mean, truthfully, as to how how we begin to explore how we as individuals are going to work with this information once it's out there um, and integrate it into our realities because, um, I, I think managing that, yeah, that's very controlling. Um, but being honest, that it's going to change us. I mean, that that we're going to have all new things to be reflecting upon. Those of us who haven't, 
um, is is just realistic in a sense. But it's not your job at Paradigm Research Group. It's just what's going to happen. You know, once there's disclosure, everybody's going to have to integrate this into what they see as real. Uh, look, I I um I do try to give people a sense of what's happening because information is helpful in yes. dealing with any yes. any issue. Absolutely. Uh, the best advice I can give right now to anyone uh, that wants to think past disclosure yes. is keep it basic, keep it simple, and here's the way to do it. Just imagine that the President of the United States has confirmed ET presence on a Friday evening. Okay. And think about that for a while. Imagine to sort of go through it in your head. Imagine him saying these things. And, of course, you know, there's a bit of a press conference and daily some questions are asked, answered. And then think, okay, what am I going to do on Saturday or Sunday? And then think, okay, what would I do in the first week, then the first month, then the first six months, and then the first 12 months? Sort of run through that in your mind. Should I get involved? Uh how much do I want to pay attention? Uh, how excited am I going to get? Whatever. You know, because everybody is in a different place in their life, and there are people that can, will get very much involved in the post-disclosure processes, and there will, the vast majority will not. They will simply lead their lives, but they'll be aware of it. But if by going through this process, one could pr- possibly could very well uh, get some you know, personal clarification uh, and feel a little less anxious about it. Um, Imagine what you would do. It's like it's like visualizing how you would ride a bicycle before you actually get on one, and do enough of that. And when you get on, it's you learn a little faster. That's about the best I can offer because the the variables involved are almost uncountable. The potential outcomes nearly infinite. Um, all I can say is it's everything else in our lives. You you don't you simply his, the things come at you. You deal with them. You move on. It's like a ride. It's like a white water river raft ride. I mean, you're born, you get, they throw you into the, the raft, and off it goes. And you basically try to keep from hitting the rocks and keep in the center of the river and not turn over. And hopefully, you know, you get to ride that river for 70 years, 80 years. It's kind of like that. You know, history just comes at us. There are many, many other unknowns out there and terrible things that can happen that we should be worrying about. The ET issue, yeah, I have, I'm less concerned about that in terms of uh, bad things happening than I am what humans are doing right now. There's far more risk at that point. And then there's one other consideration, and that's really profound, which is not unreasonable now. And I encourage people to think about that. And that is that disclosure, if done yeah. uh, by the human race, uh, if that if that takes place across the board, all nations, based upon my assessment of what's been happening since 47, I have a very powerful hunch, it's a hunch, that open contact will follow fairly quickly. And by that, I mean about two years. I've said this many times. It's a number that I like. I can't, you know, why not one year? It could be one year. It could be two months. I just kind of like two years, but that's not a long time. And so, People need to also think, what happens if there's open contact? That's not the same thing as the contact that's going on now. That is clandestine contact, 
and it is essentially either concealed or partially concealed by the extraterrestrials. Open contact means they're engaging uh, governments. Uh, We're actually aware of what is going on. We may even see videos or direct coverage. So that is a whole nother level. Now we're in an even more profound place. Are we heading that way? And if we are, what does that mean? People need to think about that. And, yes. and the last thing I'll say in terms of post-disclosure preparation is this. If the outcome is generally going to be very positive, rejoice. Yes. Right? And if the outcome yes. is going to be negative, steal yourself. But the option to remain completely in the dark and not know what's happening and what may be coming is not an appropriate response of a sentient civilization. If people get to the point in large numbers where billions of them are saying, don't tell me what's going on, I don't want to be uncomfortable or worry, then that civilization is basically saying, we're just about done. It's time to turn out the lights, shut the door, and leave the premises. Now, I don't think that's what the human race wants, and I don't think that's where we're going. But more lies, deception, misrepresentation, and the further creation of vast infrastructure based on secrecy, propaganda, is simply no longer acceptable. It must be reformed, and we have got to move forward there. Uh, And uh, and for those that are following the political uh, process right now, if they're following this campaign... There is not an inkling from anybody in that, well, there's not much coming from the collective candidates running for president that indicates any understanding of that. That doesn't mean they don't have some. It just means they're not projecting it. However, Senator or Secretary Clinton's comments in New Hampshire, if they reflect what I think is going on, yes. may be the first indication that there is some serious intellectual process going on, at least within the hierarchy of the Democratic National Committee and the people in the Clinton team, that perhaps they're ready to start taking this planet and the people on it and the people of this country uh, towards an adult relationship with their government and uh, a serious uh, reexamination of our social structures, which are starting to collapse. It's the first indication, because I can tell you, it took Clinton a lot of guts to do that. Yes. They have been putting yes. it off for 23 years. And I'm sure when she said that, she didn't know what to expect. And I'm sure they're watching all of these news reports. They're reading the comments behind uh, beneath most of these articles, which, as is the case with the Internet, the significant portion of these comments are written by idiots comment sections of articles on the net at this point are the playground for idiots to come out and vent a little bit because in their own personal lives, there's not much happening. I get that, but there are still plenty of very intelligent comments that do turn up there, and that's also important. So there is something going on here that may be very profound. Uh, Let's see where it goes. Uh, First, we need to get through this first round of articles. And then I expect some questions to follow. There will be a second round of articles. And at some point, the media 
will go into full uh, investigatory mode. And when that happens, then you can pretty much count the days to the end of the truth embargo. Yes. I have another question for you, and we've kind of backed into this in a way because the, the way my show tends to go, I tend to focus more on what I'm about to ask you um, as as opposed to the nuts and bolts. There seem to be two ways of looking at this, and I'm actually going to ask just what you've surfaced looking at this phenomenon. There are two ways of looking at this. There's the nuts and bolts way, and there's the other way where you think about, you know, there's evidence that the government has explored higher consciousness type things. You know, I've had people on this show like that. I, you know, I've had, um, we didn't talk about it, but I, I had Stephen Schwartz on recently, as expert in remote viewing, things like that. So, although we didn't really talk about that, but okay, let's assume, and some of us have actually had some pretty intense higher consciousness experience. That's common with people um, who've dabbled in spirituality or, or even through awakenings, whatever. The question is, we look at this in a nuts and bolts ways often, or we can look at it that there could be other races out there, and I would tend to say there have to be, if we can evolve in consciousness, that there are races out there that are very advanced, that have no limitations of space or of time. And the question is, is there evidence of contact through the government anyway, because you wouldn't need a government to have contact with such a race, um, you know, of that kind of, you know, higher. These are these are the good guys, you know, <laughs> that you want to think about, the ones that you know, have evolved. They, they may not even need technology. They're beyond it. You know, it's, it's a perfectly logical and, for many people, an experiential question. And my question for you is, you know, what have you uncovered of this? Is there any talk of this? Because the government dabbles in this stuff. So so, so have, can we go beyond just nuts and bolts kinds of things and be, even beyond the physical? Hmm. Well, first of all, I, to me, hmm, higher consciousness and consciousness is not, not language that I use. I'm not comfortable with I, it. I know you're a nuts and bolts guy, but I tried to pose it in a scientific way. I mean, just... We know they're studying it. I mean, there's evidence they study it. You know, we well, don't know what they're doing now, but we've seen evidence. I mean, and many of us have seen it. I mean, we've seen evidence of some of this stuff. Um, again, I that, think we have higher, a language problem. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just. I think we have to take that on, though, that that we have to look at it. All the angles will have to be looked at, not just nuts and bolts type angles, you know, not just physical visitation or some entity right here um, physically among us. I uh, look. Uh, how can I put this? Well, whatever you, however uh, I'm, you I'm, choose I'm, to respond. Well, uh, give me a chance here. Um, I will. Human beings are. When human beings are extremely varietous in their worldview and in their yeah. knowledge base, and so say you've got a million people, yeah, uh, you have people that know a great deal about science, you have people that know nothing about science, yeah, you have individuals that that uh, and and within that context you have 
people that are religious, and you have people that are not religious at all. Yeah. Religious spirituality and the things that are often associated with, quote, consciousness, which again is a term that I don't like, uh, yeah. has been part of the human experience for a long time. It is a, is a mechanism by which humans attempt to deal with the world that they were born into uh, you know, without, you know, I mean, they didn't ask to it, at least not in my, my world, they haven't asked to it, but, you know, some people think they did. In any event, and so when something happens, something big happens, whether it's war, whether it's a paradigm shift in science, uh, or a, a disaster, everybody deals with it from the worldview that they have, the knowledge base that they have, and, 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 and whatever else, and that may include spirituality. Uh, and and so as a result, you get this huge spectrum of of response to things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, at one level, all of that is valid. So if you if you believe in a God in heaven, and your first response to the presence of extraterrestrials is to want to know if they believe in a God in heaven, that's perfectly valid. All right. Does that mean there's a God in heaven? No, not at all. So I'm not surprised that people are thinking about extraterrestrials kind of along some of these lines. Uh, Part of this, though, goes to the fact that humans have always had, it's part of our makeup to have a sort of messianic um, aspirations or messianic aspirations. uh, desires. We life is hard, life is painful, and life is short, and we want, we hope somebody can come along and make it better. Uh, an all-powerful God that can do anything that that God wants is is ideal. And so there's a lot of messianism being attached to ETs. People are viewing them as they're going to come and save us, they're going to come and help us, and so forth. They might do, they might help us. They're approaching mm-hmm. them in that way. And, you know, if they, if they have more tech, technology, they must be nicer than us, right? And then everybody has different language for that. They have higher consciousness. They're more evolved and so forth. Again, I avoid those kinds of languages because they don't help me to understand what is going on. Um, within the, those prefaced remarks, let me say this. The galaxy is filled with life, and it's filled with sentient life. Not all planets, I think, have sentient life yet. But you know, they don't get destroyed. Eventually, they probably will. But there's tons of it out there. And I, you know, given the age of our galaxy, uh, simple mathematics will convince any reasonable person that you have civilizations that are much older than ours. You probably have some that were a million years older than us, and then have gone. They've disappeared. They've, they've simply gone completely. Who knows? But there are civilizations out there that are 100 years ahead of us, 1,000 years ahead of us, a half a million years ahead of us, and so forth. By and large, I have a very strong suspicion that those that are dealing with us now are dealing with us because they are not far ahead of us. In other words, we we're, it's like the lunch table at school. You go in to have lunch and you go and sit at the table, the, the, the kids that are sort of like you. Uh, and there's some other tables that you can't go to, and you don't you don't even want to go to, and they don't want you to go to them. So 
of, of the species that are going to work, deal with us, confront us, or engage us. More likely, it's going to be those that are relatively close to us. And if you look at the evidence, there's a lot of indications for that, which is to say that those civilizations that are way, way further along down the line in terms of their mastery of technology, I don't think they're here. I don't think they want to be here. We're not relevant to them. And so I wouldn't hold out aspirations too much that you know you're, you're dealing with semi-gods here. No. They're sentient. They have some skills. They have some decent technology. But I assure you, they're not gods. They die just like you and I. And they make mistakes, which we also have that as evidence for. So I, I encourage people not to get too invested and this whole idea that, you know, the ETs are going to be uh, this way or that way uh, until we actually get direct open contact with them. We, we do have evidence for what they're like from the contactees. It's a bit of a mixed bag, um, but it does indicate some very important Information. The, one of the most important things we have learned from the contactees, without questions, is the extraterrestrials are almost universally telepathic. And that is yes. important because it means yes. that telepathy is actually a fundamental uh, physical, uh, a fundamental aspect of physics in, in the galaxy. And that sentience almost inevitably invo- evolves to it. Now it may be that yes. they're telepathic because they found ways to augment that in their own with their own sciences, and we've studied telepathy, and we have we've also studied mm-hmm. other things inside our mm-hmm. government. The consciousness they're studying, they're, they're they're studying the the larger range of what human minds can do. They're trying to understand the nature of consciousness, but that that's not extraordinary. Nor do I think consciousness is extraordinary. And I don't even believe in the paranormal. There is no such thing as the paranormal. Everything in this universe is normal. There's nothing outside yeah. of normal. And so um, the, I, I believe that the telepathy component of the ET experience, which is well documented now, definitely spurred the government to do black projects to try to find out how much they could about telepathy, uh, whether or not they could uh, uh, develop it within certain individuals. And then the remote viewing issue is more sophisticated. Uh, That doesn't really emerge from extraterrestrials, per se, but it certainly became known to certain governments that there seemed to be something there, and they have looked into it, and they've explored Mm -hmm. it. Unlike Mm -hmm. telepathy, remote viewing raises some even more profound implications. It gets into the area of non-locality and it gets into an area of of the power of the mind to do things which are even more difficult to explain than telepathy. But again, I always encourage people to try to stay as close to the middle of the road as they can on this. If you're going to go driving off into the woods, understand it's dark and weird out there, and you may not be comfortable. Uh, We can speculate all day long about what ETs can do or can't do and what they're going to be like or not be like, but until we have the evidence, it is simply speculation. Uh, I, I invite people to think of the extraterrestrials 
as no different, in a sense, than thinking about people in France. You've never been to France, you've never met somebody from there, and you don't know the language? Okay, fine. That would be an interesting experience. All right? So think of the ETs that way. Uh, they're just a little, well, they're they're not human. In, in many cases, they're not human. In some cases, they may have human DNA. But they're, they are uh, not human, but they're sentient, and they're, they have technology. They are apparently, the ones visiting us are all bipedal, bi-armed, stereoscopic vision. Uh, once you get to, I think, see enough of them, you get used to them, and God knows we've certainly seen enough of the images about ETs that we're getting pretty used to that. I see a gray, you know, a picture of a gray. It hardly bothers me at all. I'm sure when a gray turned up in some poor person's room in the middle of the night in 1962, it scared the bejesus out of them. I could imagine that, but that's changing. But they're just sentient beings. They're not gods. They have some interesting technology, and they're finally engaging us just like we are Earth and engaged other uh, cultures. But fortunately for us, uh, they are not conducting themselves the way we have conducted ourselves in those circumstances. Uh, And that is because they have achieved a worldview which some would call a higher consciousness, it seems, we're going out and simply destroying other cultures for the, for the hell of it, or for sport, it doesn't seem to be on their menu. That's not what they're doing. So, no, they are not uh, the Spanish invading South America. They are not Europe invading North America. They aren't Genghis Khan conquering all of uh, Northern Asia. They are advanced beings that seem to have moved past the need to destroy things uh, for their pleasure. Now, if that's higher consciousness, good. I would just say it's a more, less destructive worldview. You can see from the way I'm talking, Susan, I am saying that people are going to be a lot less uncomfortable if they stay in the middle of the road and approach this from a fairly basic um, intellectual analysis as opposed to getting really carried away with all kinds of complex speculations which are rampant on the internet, they're everywhere, and getting really worked up about it uh, because they're probably getting all lathered up over nothing, right, or over the wrong things. Uh, In other words, wait until you got something really serious in front of you and then deal with that, which is what we're not doing in the human world. We're facing a whole range of major and dangerous issues, and we're doing very little about them. And so I invite people to focus on those dangers and not get too lathered up about, quote, potential dangers from the engagement of these extraterrestrials. Yeah. I just want to tell the live audience, I want to respond to you for just a second but um, mm-hmm. and hold you just a second if you don't mind. But I want to tell the live audience, paradigmresearchgroup.org is the website. It's on the page, but I want to let you know that um, as the live audience goes down. But I guess... How I want to respond to you, Stephen, is that I think what we're seeing is very much like the contact movie, in a way. This is going to open up discussion of this nature. And I think that, you know, those of us who are not just basing, you know, I would call telepathy a form of, 
of an expansion of consciousness. I would I would include that, and I totally agree with you that the supernatural is just the natural that we don't understand, but that that can be very expansive. And I think I would invite you to consider that many of us are going to respond to this based on not belief, not religion, some will, but on experiential things as well. Um, and, you know, the government's done all kinds of stuff that we probably can't even know in this area, and I'd love to see more openness on that. And just that it's going to open up the discussion. I mean, I think that it's good. For me, it's actually more disconcerting to consider that technological societies are necessarily that advanced. I mean, I will tell you that, honestly, that to me, and I have a scientific background, but it's also spiritual, too. So I just think it's going to open up discussion and that that's good, that's healthy, that we should have these discussions. And and we can have them. And we met together on this, telepathy, right there. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, you know, I think that we're just not going to know. It opens the universe the multiverse potentially is wide open and and i don't want to see us limit ourselves in how we think about it um and you know what what our human experience is which can be very expansive and not just based on belief uh yeah uh I, i don't disagree with that i'm just suggesting that people wait till they know what it is that they're thinking about. Uh, right. The government has gone out of its way to suppress discussion on this. They don't yeah. want us talking about it, right? yeah. which is not good. And as a result, given that the evidence keeps amounting, uh, by not allowing this subject to be properly engaged by the media, by our colleges and universities, uh, by and generally intellectuals in general, uh, they have just left a huge. They've created a huge truth vacuum that everybody's just pouring stuff into, and it's almost like a uh, one of those uh, landfills, right? Where you, you, know, you dig a hole in the ground and you start pouring garbage in, and after a while it starts to stink. Well, you know, I blame the government for that. I mean, I, there are people that are concocting all manner of things. Uh, to throw into that truth vacuum, and uh, but I blame the government for that. They created the truth vacuum, and people are filling it. Hey, that's that's the human nature. So right now, there's a great deal of of information that's completely wrong. Uh, there's misinformation out there, and and so forth. There's hoaxes, and you got people that are spending a lot of time thinking about stuff that's completely bogus. That's not helpful. So I'm suggesting yeah. people, you know, wait until you've got some more in front of you. Um, and obviously that begins with disclosure, and the information will start coming out, and we'll start learning some more. We'll start getting a more triaged understanding of these extraterrestrials and what their agenda is, and they have one. Of that you can be sure, and we need to know what it is. Yeah. Um, And it'll take us where it, it takes us. Um, but the biggest concern we should have right now is not the actions of the extraterrestrials. It's the actions of human beings. They are the biggest threat 
to human beings right now. You know, with respect to telepathy, there is one theory that I am aware of, which is a theory. Mm-hmm. And I only bring it up because it it makes a point. It may be true, it may not be. But it makes an interesting point. And that is this, that a couple of people who I, I can't dismiss, I've got some people who I can't dismiss uh, out of hand, doesn't mean they're right, <laughs> who have stated that one of the major problems that the government felt they were dealing with or, or could deal with, they faced, uh-huh. as the government learned more about the ET reality was the fact that these extraterrestrials were telepathic and they were communicating with humans, which some people may not realize how important that is, but it's pretty important. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. an extraterrestrial is communicating to you telepathically, then you are able to receive that message. And we know that the ETs would seem to be able to pull things out of people's minds, which means that you can send So what's the upshot of that? It means that the human brain, even now, is capable of receiving telepathic messages, and it can send them, but not voluntarily. In other words, we we have the abilities, but we don't have the knobs on the radio. So most people, virtually everyone, is not able to sit in a room and telepathically communicate to another human being what's in their mind. They may have the ability, but they don't know how to turn the knob. The ETs do. And so this information to the government confirmed to them that the human race is probably is probably a few tweaks away from being uh, essentially self-controlled telepaths. And from their point, that is catastrophic. That's disclosure. <laughs> well, no, it's worse than that. It could it's worse be. than that. If, there if is, we you know, become it, telepathic. <laughs> uh, I, the, the if you are if you are a, if you are part of a government, particularly if you're part of the national security structures, if you're a politician that is connected to the national security structures, the last thing you want, right? in your life is a citizenry that is telepathic. Yeah. Yeah. If they can read if they can read, if you can read the mind of a politician, for the politician this is disaster. In other words, you will have a much more difficult to control them. And I think that I think that, that may be a process that even the ETs have gone through. Meaning, okay, one day the humans will all be telepathic, but not today. Not next year, not in a hundred years, but let you know that needs some time to work it out. But they're very concerned that they may not be able to control that, and so that is one of the reasons they made the decision that we're not acknowledging these extraterrestrials. They're not here. Uh, there's nothing going on. Go away. Now, if that's true, then it's another example of a limited number of people within government within national security and intelligence operations, basically saying, we are going to decide how the human race moves forward with respect to understanding 
not only the universe they live in, but the capabilities of their own mind. We will decide that. You know, I've got a degree from Yale, and I'm skull and bones, and I'm a superior person, and I will decide what you know about your own mind. We will decide when the extraterrestrial information goes out. We will decide. These individuals have taken on a first essential, how would you say, uh, assignment there. Now, if these same people were conducting themselves, conducting the affairs of the country in a very exemplary way, meaning they were doing things which were clearly in the best interest of, of the people, in best interest of the planet, and they showed a certain wisdom, not only in thinking but in practice, one that could be admired, I might be willing to give them that assignment and say, okay, you are so wise and you're doing so well, you tell me when it's okay for me to know these things. Unfortunately, when you look at these individuals, they have a colossal record of failure after failure after failure, of massive waste of human resources and the slaughter of tens upon tens of millions of people. And so I do not trust them to have that assignment. I don't want them to tell me about when I can know about this universe or when I can learn about telepathy or anything else for that matter. They haven't earned that privilege. They are not wise enough. They are not competent enough. In fact, they have become a serious liability to all of us. And that is the dilemma that we face. And it's very similar to the kid, and I know this personally, who was born into a family that they didn't ask to be in. And the parents that are raising them were not qualified to do so. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing they can do about it until they come of age. Not everybody gets good parents. Not everybody gets smart parents or competent parents or wise parents. Some people get destructive parents, violent parents, abusive parents. And in the case of a child... There's not much you can do about it. But we are not children, and we can do things about it. If we get off our butts and vote, if we start to engage our government, if we become proactive, if we get out of this complacency zone we've been in, we can do something about these parents operating in loco parentis. And my contribution to that is to try to get disclosure as soon as possible. After that, I don't know. A lot of people are going to have to get on board if we're going to start turning things around here. But I'll tell you, you know, whatever, you know, if, if, you know people who believe in, in afterlives and, and, and higher places and death is just the beginning and all that stuff, I, I can't really speak to them. But for those that believe that what happens in this life is what's most important, if we don't get on this really soon, I can tell you this century is going to be catastrophic. If you measure catastrophe in human suffering and death and destruction of infrastructure and the environment itself, this century is set up to be a complete catastrophe. The list of things that's on the menu to happen is a long list, and it's extremely ugly, and we are not dealing with it. In fact, we're going out of our way to make things worse. And so we've reached a critical moment in the human uh, experiment, I guess you could say. Now, I happen to think it's not coincidental that at the same time we hit that moment, we hit that wall, we are in the middle of an extraterrestrial engagement that seems to be leading toward some significant event, disclosure and possibly open contact. It may be that that is part and parcel, that they're, they're hooked together. 
that they are as just as aware of the dilemma that we have created for ourselves as we are, or at least some of us are. And they know that an engagement of, of, of the type that they're doing is critical and will ultimately help us get through this. I hope that is their intention. On the other hand, they may have an agenda, and once they're finished their business, once disclosure has happened, they may say, fine, we need, we've got what we need. You know that we exist. We're leaving now, and you do whatever you're going to do. Uh, that could happen too. Don't know. But I'll tell you something. For those that think, oh, disclosure is not a big deal, uh, it's not important, put it off, or, uh, they need to spend a little time and read the projections and some of the studies that have been done by our own government of what's coming our way uh, and get and wake up because you know we, we survived the Cold War, meaning we didn't have a nuclear war, which I thought we would, but we came very close. But since it's over now, quote-unquote, uh, hey, let's all party. Uh-uh, it isn't over. And the potential for very bad things to happen is just as great as it was. In fact, maybe worse because it's more complicated, and we're not taking—we're not even paying that much attention anymore. Uh, and our politicians have dumbed down to the point where you know they—they—they—they they, 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 they should go back to fourth grade and completely re-educate themselves. So we're in a serious situation right now. And if you know, if you think nine one one was a bad thing, multiply that by a hundred or a thousand, and think about that. These are the kinds of things that we are headed for because we are not. Uh, able to to address the problems we need to address, and we're having a breakdown in in what I call uh, 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 governmental functions, not only in the U.S. but elsewhere. Uh, and we're under enormous pressure because of the massive population we've created and the limits of the of the environment that we live in. Uh, and so we're up against this wall. Now, call that fear mongering if you want. I don't think it is fear mongering. I think it's simply a simple statement of fact, right? But I make that case because as this effort to end this truth embargo goes forward, the vast majority of people are sitting on the sidelines going, hey, you know, let me know when it happens, right? Love to help, but really can't. There's not enough, there still isn't enough hardcore support to get this job done. There's just people sitting there going, you know, I don't know, I don't care, whatever. And this is a huge mistake. While they get worked up over other things, I mean in an absolute frenzy over other things, which are not particularly that important, but they decided that they are. And so we, we, we're really at a crossroads here. And I'm hoping that the media coverage of Hillary Clinton will wake a lot of people up and they'll realize, my God, we are actually much closer to this than we think. And they will step forward to make sure we get this done. And by done, I mean we get disclosure. The full acknowledgement of the ET presence by every head of state in this world. And once we have that, that wine can never be put back in the bottle. That's out forever. We are in a post-disclosure era forever. And then we can start to review everything in that new era, that new paradigm. But until we cross that line, we are stuck right in the middle of a slow-motion train wreck that is inevitably going to lead to a very bad outcome. So that's my little speech on that. But I, you know, I invite people to get on board, get active. Uh-huh. Well, you know, what I think I would say, and I think that you would agree in your own way, we kind of come at this from 
from different different ways of, of oh, yeah. maneuvering oh, through our reality. And that's okay. Actually, I think that's wonderful. Personally, I think the the pre and the post disclosure reality is going to be all about these kinds of discussions where we expansively explore what's going on. You know, Steve and I came from originally an evangelical background, and there is a huge portion of this population who thinks they're demons. We're going to have to work with that now, aren't we? Not huge. I mean, not huge. They, not but huge. they believe that. You're going on coast to coast tomorrow night. I can guarantee you're probably getting, well, I don't know if you'll talk to people, but they're on there a lot where people are discussing this, and I know they believe that. That's a belief, and yet it's something we're going to have to, I think that we need to work with in terms of thinking expansively. Now, I will mm. say crisis leads to awakening. You know, when you talk about, I think all of us, no matter how we're coming at this, I'm I'm a, I'm a higher consciousness gal, I'll tell you. I mean, I'm definitely without, that's a really important part of, of my way of thinking expansively about things. But at the same time, what? I I was a technologist. I have a master's in computer science. I mean, I I worked in that domain. So I get that. Mm-hmm. I get both approaches, and we need to come together where where we meet and talking about these things. You know, where can we meet? Where can we look at experiential evidence? You know, where where is that information? You know, Carl Jung, I was amazed. He's one of the great researchers of UFOs. That's so interesting. Early on, how I mean, I don't want to open that up too much right now, but it's something I was surfacing some articles one day, and it was just so amazing to see how, how interested he was in this phenomenon. But and you can think of him however you do, but somewhere we're going to all meet together to have these discussions, and that's a very, very healthy thing. And, you know, telepathy, you talked about that. But when we, everyone believes in some form of evolution, if we're truly evolving to that point, and many of us would say we are, that means we're going to have an open society. And we're going to have to deal with that, you know. An open society is open. Um, and, you know, it's probably the next level for people. And and those who can't handle that, well, you know, evolution is evolution. Um, if that's assuming that we survive, like you say, many of us believe that we will. Um, but um, anyway, I, I appreciate this conversation Stephen, I think that it's it's helpful. I think that um, it's going to open us all up and that we need to talk more with one another um, about these things in a reasonable way uh, so that we can well, there is, find there are certainly more people. Need. More people are talking about it. There's no question. The awareness is going up. Uh, the Internet has been critical here because the Internet makes it possible for, well, there are thousands of Internet radio stations, radio yeah. shows that don't only exist on the Internet, but then are archivable. And so on the Internet is where the dialogue is going on. Where it's not going on is at our universities and colleges or in the newsrooms of uh, the our papers and uh, news programs and so forth. They, they have, they've elected to, s- to step out uh, in service to the truth embargo. Uh, yeah. And it's certainly not going on in the, in the political arena. It's obviously going on in deep, deep black 
uh, programs where you know the people under classification talk about this. So, but the, the dialogue in the in the public domain is certainly increasing. The danger there, though, is that because of all the polluted information that's been dumped into that truth vacuum, the dialogue is is uh, is, is hampered uh, and limited, and and in many cases a waste of time for some people. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't want to spend one more minute. I don't want to spend any time at all debating with people how many aliens can say dance on the head of a pin. I want to know what's going on. I want the government to yeah. tell me, and then yeah. we'll talk about that. Go from right? there. When that information comes out, not only yeah. will we have that information, we will have the ability to go back and triage out from all of the information that has been accumulated since '47, and get rid of the weeds in the garden. Just weed that garden and take from it the 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 best information, the highest quality information that has the most likelihood of being correct and combine that with what we're getting from the government and then develop a proper picture of what we are facing or dealing with and what's going on. Then 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 we will be able to have some very high quality dialogues and discussions at every level. There'll be people who will have discussions from the religious perspective, from the hard science perspective, from the political perspective, all well and good. And I think we'll be making a lot of progress. I hope people will – I think people enthusiastically join into that because disclosure is going to be like an electric shock to the human race. It's just going to yeah. wake a lot of people up overnight. So I'm excited about that. But in, we haven't had disclosure yet. And so yeah. that means that it's tricky and and, and, um, and messy. And I guess the best way to describe the arena that I operate in is it's messy. Uh, it's just filled with a lot of flotsam and jetsam and uh, uh, and, and bad bad information, and that's just that's just that's the way it is. Uh, and I accept that. I get it. I mean, that's that's the hand that's dealt when you go into this field. Uh, but I'm looking to see that change on the other side of disclosure. I'm excited about that possibility. Uh, we will experience a learning curve starting with disclosure unlike anything the human race has ever seen and a lot of people are going to get real smart and real uh, wise about the nature of this world in a pretty short amount of time and that's going to then ripple out uh, to uh, the rest of society Uh, and hopefully we will make a huge step forward uh, instead of just spinning our wheels you know, going round and round and round uh, with one war after another, building stuff mm-hmm. and then blowing it up, raising children and killing them off, uh, round and round. We'll actually make a huge step forward. And I, I know it's possible, and this is one of the most absolute important messages that what's going on now should, should relate to somebody. We know that is possible because the ETs did it. They made it to interstellar travel. Yes, they evolved. Well, call it what you want. They made it to interstellar travel. They progressed. And if if they can, we can. And so that is the best hope we've got, right? If, if If they were us, they would have blown themselves up and each other up a long time ago. They would have had giant wars in space and blown up planets and everything else. They didn't, obviously. And... That's good, because if they were able to do that, then uh, maybe we can too. Well, 
I guess we can't really know what they've all done because I'm sure there's quite the the gamut that they've run. But it's true, you know, at the core of this, Stephen, and I know you need to go, is trust. I mean, really, as a grown-up society, at the core, the fundamental thing we're dealing with is mutual trust, not the kind of blind trust that, you know, someone will take care of us and, and 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 when I talked earlier about how we need to be eased into reality, that's just helping us to do just what we're doing, you know, having this discussion where we come from different points of view and dealing with our fears and all. That's important. That's part of our growing up. But ultimately what you are advocating for is a society truly based on mutual trust. It is a grown-up society and not a childish society. Well, it's based on truth. Um, it's based yeah. on truth, and truth breeds trust. Shared truth. Uh, you know, yeah. for, for those out there that are listening, if you've ever dealt with somebody that grew up in a family where uh, the, the kids could trust the parents, and the parents could trust the kids, and then you've, you've dealt with people that grew up in a family where the kids couldn't trust the parents, and the parents couldn't trust the kids the difference between those two individuals that you're going to be talking to is usually stark, profound. Yeah, yeah. And in and, and one situation, not good. One situation, outstanding. Uh, it's the same with societies. If you're dealing with a society where the government can't trust the people and the people can't trust the government, you are dealing in a collapsing contract with a whole lot of terrible things going on and worse to come. When you're dealing with a social contract where the government trusts the people and the people trust the government, and there are some of those on the planet right now, it is wonderful. And so the American people need to decide which of those they want, which direction they want to go. And there's a lot of forces that are preventing that, that seem committed to keep them right where they are because they thrive on distrust they make money from distrust. Uh, they make money from the status quo. But American people are starting to figure it out, and they could have to make a decision here pretty soon. You want a nation where you trust the government and they trust you, then you need to get busy making it happen. Uh, otherwise, it's going to go the other way, and it is going the other way. Uh, and the outcome will not be good. You know, today, a perfect example of that. Again, this is not a political statement. This is simply a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president took some, quote, unilateral executive order action regarding the use of guns, meaning I'm going to institute some procedures which, in my view, will uh, help uh, perhaps minimize some of the the uh, unnecessary deaths from gun usage. The American people so distrust the government and this president, that the response to that is they went out and bought more guns than I think at any time in the last 30 years. In other words, they they just stocked up on guns, huge numbers. This has actually spiked a couple of times. There have been several of these. In other words, I want to make things better. I don't trust you. I'm going out and I'm buying a gun and by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. So now we have more guns. I don't know if the policy will work or not work. The point is it is a classic example of the fact that people don't trust the government. And there's plenty of reasons to believe the government doesn't trust the people. So we have 
a fully dysfunctional social contract in this country right now. And there are a lot of people that know it. There are people that are writing about it. You can find the information if you look for it, if you bother, if you care. But for those that aren't looking and aren't paying attention, in case they happen to hear this, in a dysfunctional social contract that is collapsing around you, and you either do something about it or you will suffer the consequences. And then you can blame anybody you want after that. You know, you can blame God, you can blame politicians, you can blame your brother-in-law, whatever. But that's the reality. Bad uh, situations or bad causes create bad outcomes. And that's the way it is. So, you know, that's why I do what I do. I'm a, I'm a political yeah. activist for that exact reason. Yeah. Uh I, I've, uh, in my life, I felt I arrived on an accident scene, right? And if I had, if I was a doctor and you arrive on an accident scene, what do you do? You start trying to help people lying around in the street bleeding. And but I'm not a doctor. I'm an activist by by uh, I guess you could say by worldview. And I sort of arrived on the scene and looked around and I said, my God, this is a train wreck. Uh, my country, this country, was so much promise, so much great potential, becoming a train wreck. So I said, okay, I'll try to help. And I'm not alone. There's plenty of people out there trying to do that. And, you know, we have our occasional successes. Uh, but, uh, well, it's do or, die, do or die time. It's time to, you know, to, to, to make this happen. So disclosure is perhaps the, the door to out of this room this locked room. This may be the door out of here, and, and let's hope that door gets open pretty soon. Susan, it's great talking to you. <laughs> it's good uh, talking to you, You're Steve. a wonderful Thanks lady, and I, I know you're sowing <laughs> seeds of goodness all over. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, and and I encourage you, Steve, tomorrow night when you're on Coast to Coast, you're going to be talking to people on all sides of this political divide, and what you're mm-hmm. encouraging is trust, communication, Let's start well, understanding one another better instead of yelling at one one another. I think that's part of the problem is that where trust is is possible when we communicate and and you're all about open communication, which is good um and it's it's the way we need to go so Anyway, thank you. I am honored for your coming on this show, Steve, and very appreciative. Um, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope to propagate this podcast because I think um, we really explored this in a in a wonderful way. I appreciate you were able to to present everything the way that you did. So thank you so much. My pleasure, dear, and a shout out to all my friends in Oregon, wonderful state. Kind of wish I was there. Right now. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting out of the snow right now. We just had a nice storm. And I want to remind people, paradigmresearchgroup.org is where they can find you. So Yes, indeed. Um, all right. Well, thanks all right. again. It was a delight to talk to you. Have Take a wonderful care. week. Bye-bye. You too. Take care. Bye. Um, and thank you, audience, for being here today, speaking across time to the podcast audience. That was quite a conversation, I felt, and it's just... It's really so important if we can talk to one another about these things, um, we can all meet together. You know, no matter what the issue is, no matter how volatile it is, no matter how strong 
you feel about one way or another or whether you're in the middle of something, having a conversation is very key because that's what is going to create a more peaceful, trusting society in the right kinds of ways where we don't all need to be afraid of one another, no matter whether you're in the government or outside the government, where we can actually form a truly cooperative venture going forward. That's the key. So I appreciate the openness of this, and I want to invite you. Let's see, we've got more shows coming up this week. Got to look at my schedule. Go to FrontierBeyondFear.com for everything you need to know about this program, the archive broadcast. Those of you who enjoy conversations such as the one I just had with Stephen Bassett. I have talked to a number of other researchers in other domains, including higher consciousness domains, many with PhDs who've explored various things. You know, feel free to explore those. I invite you to look at those um, domains as well. And I just hope to have all kinds of people coming on this show in the new year. Um, coming up this week on Thursday, we're going to switch gears. And I've got Catherine G. Lucas coming on again, and she is the author of In Case of Spiritual Emergency, and she also has a new book out um, regarding coping with mental health crises, and we're going to talk about that once again, the steps that you can take to stay mindful and grounded and to know when a loved one or yourself when when you can seek assistance that is actually helpful to you if you're in the midst of various types of crises. And so um, we're going to talk about this in a very open and expansive and hopefully helpful way. And and we covered so much of this last time. We're going to cover part two this week, and that is Thursday, January 7th. Um, 2016 now, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, gradually settling into this time slot for the day. You are going to more consistently find this show at noon Pacific, and then occasionally we will do specials at night, which I enjoy doing as well, at 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, And um, I just welcome you if you feel so guided to support this show. It's listener-supported, and how to do that is on FrontierBeyondFear.com. Always welcome that. And thank you again for being here. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 